Welcome to Get Better at Garbage with your host, Colin Bell, COO of Recycle Smart, Canada's fastest growing recycling technology company. We talk tech, innovation, and inside secrets with top industry experts every week. You'll find exclusive content, interviews, and commentary from the leaders in the North American recycling industry. Welcome to this episode of Get Better at Garbage. I'm your host, Colin Bell, joining you live from Richmond, BC, Canada. If you don't know where that is, it's uh, outside of Vancouver, which many of you have probably heard of. Uh, for those people that have been listening over the last couple months, thanks for sending in the emails with suggestions for guests, and some of you have even got on the show. So if you do know someone that would be a great guest for our podcast, or maybe if it's even you, then uh, feel free to email Colin at recycle-smart.com and we can chat about you becoming our next guest. Today, we've got a really interesting uh, guest on. We have Dominic DeMondo, VP of Technology and Business Development from Green Mantra Technologies, and we're going to be keeping our theme of plastic recycling alive. Uh, last week, we talked to Corey Saban from Rewaste, uh, who is melting plastic in his garage in Edmonton. Today's a little more high-tech, not to uh, say that Corey is not onto something, but uh, Green Mantra is a little bit further along in their uh, journey of plastic recycling. So welcome to the show, Dominic. Thank you, it's great to be here. And also joining me today, I'm not gonna to forget to introduce her today as my long-suffering co-host, our marketing intake, marketing intake, oh, marketing intern, Kelly Huang. Kelly, you wanna say hi? Hello, great to be here. Perfect, so uh, let's get started, uh, intro. So Dominic, before you got into saving the world from our plastic waste, uh, what were you up to? Where did you go to school and what was your career history prior to uh, becoming part of Green Mantra? Yeah, so um, I grew up in Brampton, Ontario. Um, from there, I went to university at the University of Guelph, which I loved. I did my undergrad and grad studies there. I did my graduate studies in chemistry. And my career history was short before Green Mantra because I went right into Green Mantra right out of grad school. Um, you know, I, I didn't intend to be an entrepreneur or, or join a startup right out of school. Um, but I had a passion for wanting to work on social impact projects and, and wanting to you know, stay within that technical, that, that chemical world. And Green uh, Mantra was a great fit. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I started my journey, I should say, into plastics and uh, being an entrepreneur. All right. So no stint at McDonald's. You didn't work at the local car wash. Just... <laughs> Straight into Green Mantra. I've got a ton of those part-time jobs over my, you know, from high school to university. But uh, for my first career, it was right into Green Mantra. Cool. So how did, uh, maybe just explain a little bit about that. Um, into, you're sitting in uh, school in Guelph one day and you saw a piece of styrofoam blow by outside the window or a friend of yours said, hey, we got to figure this out. Or how did, what was the genesis? Yeah, so actually for me, the, the my, my foray into waste actually didn't start with plastics. It was actually with biomass. Um, so I was doing my graduate studies on biomass and different streams of biomass waste and actually applying different, different chemical processes to try to upgrade those streams into different types of chemicals that added, you know, had higher value and could be reused. So for me, that was just such an interesting concept to say you could take this waste stream that otherwise was being disposed of and figure out how you can apply different technologies, different chemical processes to capture value from that resource. 
So for me, it started with biomass and that just kind of sparked the, hey, you know, waste doesn't need to be thought of as, a, as waste. It should really be thought of as a resource. Um, and so when I got out of grad school, I was, I was really stubborn about, I, I want to stay within this industry of taking waste and, and turning it into higher value materials. And for me, the journey then went from biomass into polymers and into plastics with Green Mantra. And you're a chemist by trade, right? You're, that is your, your background. You come at this from a, a chemist perspective. Yes, that is. That's my, my lens, um, which over time has evolved as I've kind of, uh, my career's evolved, but that's where it started, is from the side of chemistry. Cool. And for those listeners that don't know what biomass is, it's not, uh, you know, extra large broccoli. What is biomass kind of in layman's terms? Um, on a very simple, you, you can think of it as it's derived from, you know, when you throw your organic matter, so let's say you've got a, um, you're harvesting corn and the husk that's left behind, that's going to be a, a biomass. Um, that's left behind. And so there's gotcha. a variety of different types of biomasses and, and different classifications, but maybe that's a very high level simplification of it. Okay. So things like straw left behind in the field, or if we're doing forestry and we have slash left behind, that would be all biomass. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, so now uh, Green Mantra has developed uh, more into the synthetic side. So maybe uh, do you want to give us some background on how the company operates, where you guys fit into the recycling world. Um, so if we were at a party and I said, Dominic, what do you do? This is your five minute, explain it to everybody in a way that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so Green Mantra, we're, we're an advanced recycler. And so when you think of recycling in general, there's, there's actually a variety of different classifications and different paths you can take in recycling. The one everyone's more familiar with is more traditional mechanical recycling. When you put your plastic into the blue bin, and it gets sorted out and then remelted and, and reprocessed. That's traditional mechanical recycling. Um, it's a great path for plastics to take. You know, first you want to start with reuse. Just reuse that product as is as many times as you can. And then when you dispose of it, you'll go through potentially mechanical recycling. Um, but if a plastic isn't well suited um, or has some challenges being mechanically recycled, then instead of it just having to go to landfill, that's where advanced recyclers come in. And really it's, it's a category where we say we apply a little bit more chemistry, a little bit more technology to capture value out of that resource. And, and in the space of advanced recycling, there's even different categories. Um, there's companies that are doing purification. So they take that waste plastic and they're trying to pull out the, the pigments, the dyes, the other additives to get you back a, a virgin plastic. And then there's companies that are doing depolymerization to the, the building blocks. So, my very simple example would be if you think of a, uh, uh, a metal chain and you have all those individual links, when you do depolymerization to the monomer building blocks, you're trying to get back to those individual chain links. And what we do at, deep, at uh, Green Mantra is a, a partial depolymerization. We take that long metal chain and we just make shorter chains out of it. And that allows us to produce different types of polymers. So they're not plastics, but they are still polymers and it allows us to design polymers for different industries. So we don't sell back our product to you know, the average consumer. It actually goes into uh, a variety of different manufacturing sectors that use our product as an additive within their formula. So whether it's you know, an additive that's going into asphalt roofing shingles, that's going into roads, going into plastic pipe or wood composite material. Um, and for us, that's a big sector is within the building infrastructure industry. 
so that's our that's my I guess five minute or, or less than that um, description of what we do at Green Mantra. Cool and. So yeah, exactly. Compared to a lot of companies that take plastic, turn into plastic flake and then remake plastic bottles or furniture, you're actually going down, like you said, not all the way to the molecular level, but you're shortening those polymer chains up so that you then become a raw material that can be made into something like asphalt roofing or asphalt roads, but you're not selling a, a new container back to Pepsi, for example. It's yeah, the raw not, materials. Yeah, we're not making the finished product, but in our ability to take that, you know, chain and uh, that long chain and make it shorter for us it's it's really about upcycling it's about the you know the ability to control how we make that chain shorter and design in different properties allows us to create products that are being used by other industries and other markets not just because they're sustainable but because they're actually driving value and performance within that space so you know as an example our additive that goes into a roofing shingle Yes, it adds sustainability into that roofing shingle, but it actually helps it make a stronger shingle, one that's more impact to hail resistant, or one that's right. gonna survive under higher temperature. Um, and that's a key thing for us at Green Ranch. You know, it's a, it's a big part of our, our methodology is we want our product to be able to, to stand on its own. And we feel for, for sustainability and for the circular economy to be successful, it also has to make economic sense. So you need to have a product with, you know, strong value propositions for your customers, not just on the fact that it's sustainable. You know, that's, that's core to who we are and, and what we do, but we know that it, you know, you've got to create that value in the product. Cool. So maybe Dominic, do you want to give us kind of the background on how did you guys come up with this idea of recycling plastic? Was it just something you saw there was a lot in the market and you thought that, Hey, there was, this is an opportunity here to, um, you know, make an impact or was it someone brought you something and said, Hey, if you could recycle this, I would buy the other end or how did you guys end up in plastic? So it really started with, um, the, the original founder at, at Green Mantra. Um, he had the concept of a technology where it was, let's take waste plastics. And this was really before waste plastics were at the forefront of the discussion that they are now, and even the circular economy. And at that time, you know, it was already recognized by our team. You know, this is this is a waste resource that is undervalued, and um, there was a technology there that we saw we can do this controlled depolymerization. And so, the interest for us was instead of looking at can we convert plastic into a fuel or can we convert it into energy, can we make other higher value specialty chemicals? And it, you know we saw this as really a, a white space that hadn't been tackled or, or gone after, and. Um, that's really where we built the, the, the company around that idea of how do we take a waste material and turn it into high value specialty chemicals. Um, and that's, it, it started with that, that, that basic idea and the team built around that. Um, and we went from, you know, uh, kind of, a, I'd call it a true startup. You know, it went from just a small office space to a very small lab, to a pilot facility, to now our full commercial facility that's located in Brantford, Ontario. Cool. So that's quite the journey. Um, and I think a lot of companies, they start out doing one thing and then pivot and see an opportunity and find a new market. And so it's not always that straight line. Definitely with RecycleSmart, it has not been a straight line from, hey, let's audit your invoice to let's figure out a way to see how full your bin is and a mm -hmm. lot of pivots along the way. Because I think as most entrepreneurs, you, you find a challenge and then along the way, you find a few other challenges. And sometimes those other challenges become 
the main business. Um, Kelly, I think you're back on now for some more questions. Okay, good. So I'll turn over the uh, host mic to you, Kelly, for a few questions. Awesome. So um, you kind of touched on how your role throughout the company has changed throughout the years. And we are wondering what does your role consist of right now as the VP of technology and how has that changed since the beginning? So at the, well, it, it's changed a lot from the beginning. At the, at the beginning, I was a manager of essentially one and, uh, you know, you're wearing every hat from sweeping the floor to, you know, running the, 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 the process in the, in the lab. Um, but now as, as VP of technology, you know, I've, I've got the privilege to work with an amazing team across a variety of, of different departments. So um, I lead our work on the, the commercial development of our product relative to how does it function markets and applications. We're creating those value propositions for our sales team. Um, also working on developing new technologies. So as Colin mentioned, you know, we've over the years, we've grown our technology. We've created new products and, and gone into to new markets. So working with our team on generating those new products and um, that translates into IP, intellectual property. So managing our, our intellectual pro property and portfolio. Um, as well as I get the opportunity to lead and, and work with our, our engineering team. So taking what we've developed on a lab or on a, uh, you know, on a base technology and then scaling that to, to a commercial level. So working with our engineering team and then as a result, you know, working also with our, our operations teams to then commission that and bring it to life. So for me, I, you know, I love my role within, within the company, not only because I love what we do and we just have an amazing team, but I get to work with folks that, you know, have a, uh, an idea, a concept, and take it all the way through to, to commercial uh, scale, which is, is very exciting. Cool. Um, so I guess the next question is kind of a two-part one, and that is um, how does the chemical technology process work? And obviously, we're not chemists or engineers, so keep this high level. And also, don't disclose any proprietary IP because that would be terrible. And then the other piece would be, is the long-term plan here to develop technology and then license it? Or is it to actually run plants? Or is it, if that's still TBD, then you can fill us in on kind of where you are in that journey. Well, I'll start with the, I'll start with the second question first, and then I'll go into to how the technology works. Um, you know, from day one, we've we'd always thought about, you know, which is the better option, own and operate or, or license? Um, for us, we've decided that the better path for us and the journey that we've gone down um, is to own and operate. So we build our facilities, we, we own, we operate those facilities. Um, so our first commercial facility is in Brantford, Ontario, and we just have gone through a second large expansion of that facility. And then we're beginning to look at you know, where, where we will move and, and grow to next. We haven't taken licensing off the table, um, but definitely for us, the own and operate model is, is what we're going down right now. How, how our technology works on a, you know, on a very high level. Um, for us, we take waste plastic and the great thing or the, the thing that I, you know, think is a, is a differentiator in our business model is we're able to actually purchase waste plastic. So because of the value that we create in our finished product, we can actually go out and, and purchase a waste stream from a reprocessor or from a material recycling facility. So for us, what that, you know, we feel it allows us to do is, is create value throughout the whole value chain. So we can go to a material recycling facility or a reprocessor and say, look, what streams are you currently collecting, but you don't have good homes for? They're maybe going to landfill. And right now they say everything. Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> How big is your truck? And you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so you can go to them and say, 
yeah, what do you have that you can't sell? And so they might say, well, I have a lot of this polystyrene, which I, I believe polystyrene is kind of where you guys started, but they might also have some other plastics that they're having. Well, actually, we, we started with polyethylene. So our big focus when we first started the company was on grocery bags, film bags. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was in the world of polyethylene. And then from there, we grew and expanded the technology to also take polypropylene. So now you're thinking, you know, this is now labels, carpet fiber, yogurt containers, or, you know, bottle caps. These are some simple examples. Okay. And then most recently, we've expanded that also now into, into polystyrene. Which is um, a, tough, a tough one for a lot of processors to recycle. Because really, there's only a few ways is melt it down or compress it. Exactly. What do, you, what do you do with it then? So the, the polystyrene one is really exciting for us. It's, it's brand new. It's still on a demonstration scale and we're scaling it. But with polyethylene and polypropylene, we've been doing that now on a commercial scale for, for a number of years. And what it allows us to do is really go to those material recycling facilities and go, look, you know, you have a stream of film or fiber um, or rigid material that you don't have a good home for. Uh, and within our process, it's going to work perfect. It's, you know, it's going to be perfectly suitable. And we're not looking to then take that, you know, at a tip fee, we can actually purchase it from the reprocessor. We can create some value for them on that side, you know, and, and that allows them to sort it for us. And then we take that into our facility and we really, on a very high level, what we're doing is we'll melt the plastic. We don't add any other chemicals, solvents or reagents. It's just the melted plastic. And then it's in contact with the catalytic system we developed. And, you know, that might go a little bit into the weeds on the chemistry, but really what, what the, the system allows us to do is just without a lot of energy to control how we break that chain. And so it really allows us to add a level of precision and lower the amount of energy required to do the work we want to do on that plastic chain. And that allows us then to create, you know, those from those long metal chains, make these shorter chains, make these polymers that we can use as additives. So it's really about melting, partial depolymerization, and then just, you know, final product forming. And then we have our polymer products that we sell into a variety of different uh, industries where manufacturers are, are using them. So hopefully that wasn't too, you know, into the weeds on the chemistry, but gave you an idea of, of what we're doing. No, that makes sense. So you're going out to MRF's uh, processors and buying from them. So not from the end user. You're not looking to go and get plastic bags from individuals or individual businesses. You're going to the MRFs or the- Not yet. I think as we yet. grow, like as we grow and as we scale, we see that as the next potential opportunity. Sure, um, okay. But you know, for us, we, we definitely see how our role in recycling as, as complementary to mechanical recycling. You know, right. I don't think, especially for me, I don't see one silver bullet solution to what we're trying to do with waste plastic. It's gonna be a series of solutions working together that get us to zero waste. So last question before I turn it over to Kelly for some hard hitting questions on just how big you guys are. Um, dirty plastic, one of the hardest ones, especially in film where a lot of this stuff comes in from food uh, use. So can you guys handle dirty plastic or does it still need to be relatively clean? So we can handle dirty plastic. At the end of the day, the, you know, we can't turn food into plastic. We can't turn water <laughs> into plastic. Not yet. Um, so yeah, not yet. Um, so that will end up getting pulled out, you know, whether it's pulled out by us or it's pulled out from a reprocessor. Um, so that does get pulled out. And if it carries through in our process, it gets pulled out at, a, at another point. But we are robust enough that we can take, you know, moisture and dirt and debris within the, the stream coming in. It doesn't need to be pristine. Okay. And does it affect the process or is it just it, more work, more water 
to get it it's to just, a clean state. It, really, it's it's about mass balance. So you know, if, if there's more water coming in, then there's going to be a mass balance between the amount of polymer product we make and um, the amount of moisture that that may be coming off, or let's say the amount of dirt and debris that gets filtered off. Right. Okay. All right, uh, Kelly, you've got some questions on scale. Yep. So. Um, speaking about plastic, how much plastic does the company divert within a year? So we usually don't give our exact annual capacities, but I can give you a, you know, a, a level of scale. So we're operating at millions of pounds of plastic per year that we're, we're upcycling. And the really, you know, the thing that we're really proud of with our technology is we're taking in millions of pounds of plastic but we're converting it in high yields. So we convert it to our products in on average 92 to 95% yield. So it is for us, it's really about that mass balance and that yield. So for us, it's we're you know, we're diverting millions of pounds of, of plastic a year. All right. Well, millions of pounds is better than what's happening in a lot of places right now, which is either it's ending up in landfill or being shipped or God knows what. Um, we've got way more waste plastic than we know what to do with. So, um, where do you guys see yourself kind of going? And I hate this question. And when they ask in interviews, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? It's the worst <laughs> interview question ever. It's like not here on this stupid podcast. Cause I'm going to be more successful sitting on the beach, but um, any plans to expand outside of Canada and the U S um, is the international market really where you guys see this taking off or is there lots of market in North America that's untapped or kind of what is the world domination plans for green mantra? Um, for us, the, I think the next five years are, are quite exciting. We, we have the ability to continue to grow the, the footprint in our Brantford, Ontario facility. So we're definitely going to continue to expand and grow in Brantford. But, you know, we have sales within the, U, you know, within the U.S. already. Quite a bit of our sales is in that area. We're beginning to look at the European market um, and even further across the globe. So for us, the, the next steps are continue to grow currently within our, our commercial sales globally. Um, but then the next steps are also where we see our next, you know, best locations for facilities um, within Canada, within the U.S., and even looking at, at Europe and, and other areas. So it, it really is a, a path for growth. There's a large, obviously, a large amount of waste plastics, um, and there's more being collected, which is great as well, because it's not just the number of waste plastic that's generated. It's how much actually is being collected. So that's also increasing, which is great. Um, but for us in our end markets and what we can do with our product, you know, there's, there's a, a large addressable market space that we see that is untapped that we, you know, we're, we're excited to grow into. So when you say sales, um, are you talking about sales of the polymer you're producing or? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sales okay. of our polymer product. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cause I think that's one interesting thing, you know, when we think of recycling plants often, it just thinks of what's coming in and then it's like, Oh, now we got to get rid of this stuff, but really you're generating a valuable, product on the other end, like a manufacturing plant that you then go out and sell. And I guess on that note, are you competing against virgin polymers? Is that kind of the, the competition? Like you come in and I'm using, you know, plastic pellet that I'm buying from oil company ABC or, you know, plastic supplier ABC. And then you guys come in and say, Hey, there's a different solution here. And is it cheaper or why, why would I go recycled other than some companies obviously do it for the brand and sustainability aspect? Yeah. So the, you know, to answer that question into the, the different buckets, the, the first part is, yeah, we're, we're taking in waste plastic and then because we're converting it into these different polymers, 
it's no longer a plastic. So it's, it's not, you know, plastic in and then plastic that gets sold back into the, the, the plastic market, at, you know, as just a recycled stream. We're creating, you know, waste plastic in, high value specialty polymers out. And for a lot of our customers, then what that allows them to do, you know, why do they buy our product? Well, a few different reasons. One, it does allow them to potentially offset other virgin polymers that they were using. So even though we're not offsetting plastic, we're offsetting other fossil virgin-based polymers that are being used in either manufacturing shingles or in, um, as additives in plastic pipe. But then the next big piece is our ability to add value into their process. So, you know, an example within plastics processors, so kind of that circular space, um, we've got companies that are using our additive within injection molded um, equipment where they're extruding plastic to make different pieces of equipment and it allows them to improve their efficiency. They can, they can have a higher output of product by using our additive. So that's creating value for them. That's allowing them to you know, create cost savings by adding our additive. So it's not always that our product is, you know, oh, it's just this you know, a cheaper, a cheaper alternative. It's for us, it's always about that value. It's actually we're creating uh, an, a, a cheaper or more cost efficient product for the customer by using our product. Right. So you're not looking at this is just going to be a green sustainable purchase. It's actually, this is going to improve your end product, improve your manufacturing process, make things better. Forget that it's made for recycled plastic irrelevant. This is just, this is a better product than what you were going to be using before and, and make your life easier. Well, that's where we start with. And then we go, Hey, by the way, it's also, by the way, it's also green. And they're like, where do I sign? Please send me 15 <laughs> tanker loads. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's the ultimate win-win, right? Is the recycled product that is also better in terms of, I remember talking to um, years ago now, the, uh, the founder of uh, a company that made recycled park benches and things like that. And he said, you know, the business really took off when we stopped talking about how we were made of recycled stuff and just how our furniture was better than anything else in the market. And he's like, and then people got excited because they realized that, you know, not only was it a great product and it was innovative, but it was also made of recycled plastic. Whereas he said the first five years, they just beat this recycled plastic thing over the head. And he's like, a lot of people didn't care. They were like, how much does it cost? And yeah. is it better than the bench I have now? And so he said, that was really the moment when the business took off was when they were like, forget the recycled plastic. That's the icing on the cake. We got to focus on the cake and make really good cake. And then well, we'll throw the icing on at the end. And that's what people yeah. are like, wow, amazing. Well, something that I, the reason I think that ends up happening now, and I hope it's not the case in, you know, five, 10 years is the, the average customer, when they hear that something has, you know, recycled content or it's sustainable in their mind, they think it's then an inferior product. Like, oh, if, well, if it has recycled material in it, it's either got to be cheaper or it doesn't perform as well. And that's, that's an important part for us to just break that, you know, that thought process. You know, you right. don't have to sacrifice performance value because you're sustainable or because you know, that the, the two are not mutually exclusive. Uh, so I can hopefully see that there, uh, there's a podcast coming up on why recycled toilet paper is just as good as virgin toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> there's this whole interesting thing that recycled toilet paper took a dive during the pandemic because these poor toilet paper manufacturers got so hammered for, with demand that they just started running virgin paper or virgin uh, pulp because it was faster and easier. So anyway, that's a whole nother podcast that's uh <laughs> Nothing to do with this one. So Kelly, do you want to round us out with our trademark question? Yep. So how do you like your eggs? Do you like them scrambled, poached, or sunny side up? I'm going to go with one of the options that isn't listed, which is over easy. I, I like them over easy so that I can actually dip. You know, I, I, they still they can't be too hard. You got to be able to dip them, but that's, 
that's my egg of choice in the morning. Oh, so you like to dip some toast? Is that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. So that's, you need to get it just right. Cause if it's too hard, you obviously can't dip and too soft and it's a mess. So yeah, the over easy, which is a, it's a classic for sure. Um, we haven't had it over easy yet. I don't think actually that's most people go scrambled or then some people had some really weird stuff where they flambéed the bin mushrooms, which sounded delicious, but way too complicated for me in the morning. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, really appreciate you being on today, Dominic. And um, for those of you who are interested in Green Mantra and what they're up to, we will link to the website on the podcast so you can check them out. And great to have companies that are doing innovative things with plastics. We've got a lot of waste plastic. And I think like Dominic said today, there's not just one silver bullet that's going to solve this problem is probably going to be a lot of companies doing a lot of different things along the value chain that are going to get us to where we need to go with plastic waste, which is hopefully eventually this stuff is being scooped up as a hot commodity and not, you know, dumped into wherever we can dump it slash burn it because I don't think that's a sustainable long-term solution. Thanks very much. Uh, next up on get better garbage podcast, we're going to be talking to the folks from return it, which is the product stewardship for, containers and other things in BC. And it's going to be very interesting. One of the more innovative product stewardship organizations in North America. So that's coming up on the next episode. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Remember, you can recycle past episodes at www.recycle-smart.com slash podcast and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for joining us. And remember to get better at garbage. Rock the recycling and save some serious dough.